and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland is there a number can we pick a number because he's going to do it OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar our resident South Africa rugby correspondent Stephen Kisby Green aka SKG is on the line to piece together just what happened to South Africa this time around against New Zealand SKG good morning what happened you were supposed to smash the end it was supposed to be the end of the Ian Foster era but instead they've just got you've made them stronger it's like the Terminator except like they're T2 and uh, we thought you guys were like capable of destroying them but you weren't I would have thought you would have been happy about that, Joe. Uh, we, 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 we managed to get uh, Ian Foster to, to stay in his job, and we've also managed to bring uh, Joe Schmidt in, into the in, into the mix, just because that's that, that's how South Africa rolled. We, we we create the All Blacks dream team that you that, that you wanted. Joe Schmidt on the opposite side of the coaching line to us and telling everybody about our weaknesses and exploiting our weaknesses is our worst nightmares, SKG. Give us Scott Robertson playing Harlem Globetrotters or whatever, but actually having Joe Schmidt there is like a ghost of our previous failures and he's like, oh, I've learned from my mistakes. I've come back and I'm, I'm getting past quarter final this stage, lads. Well, I mean, he hasn't, he, he hasn't tasted that glory yet, so who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's also, he's also it was, what's interesting to me is that he's, going, he's coming in as a tack coach and um, quite famously, uh, under Schmidt, Ireland were not allowed to offload. Like it's quite, it's the quite famous. Like that's that's a stereotype that has been go- gone through his entire tenure. And obviously, the All Blacks, the the way that they beat South Africa, a couple of a couple of. Um, there were a couple of key points, but one of the ways they beat South Africa is they managed to exploit the rush defense with the offload. So now if you've got anti-offload Schmidt well, as the attack coach. Let me just let me just puncture that uh, pretty quickly here because quite famously, what happened was Ireland became a little bit uh, predictable. But Joe Schmidt's starter plays are the best in world rugby and have been all the way back to his time in Claremont. So what we're saying is if they get any first phase ball, the quality of their... Uh, first phase attack is going to be the best in the world. The whole thing about yeah. the offloads was, I, I'm not sure if he actually trusted our style of play or if he thought that actually the best thing for us to do was to physically wear down the opponent. And you can't do that if you're not going into contact and if you're not drawing them into contact. So I would say it was on purpose that he didn't get us to offload as opposed to him being allergic or it being a rule that you can't offload. It was like that wasn't his game plan. His team now are very good at offloading, and so therefore he will use that because he thinks that it's to his benefit. Yeah, I also, I also agree with you there. I think it was more the sake of um, I was more, more making a joke there than anything else. I think it was more the sake of the Irish like, players didn't grow up offloading in, in in high school or in in developmental rugby, whereas New Zealand are bred into the offloading. They that that is what they do from 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 like the the time they're knee high to a grasshopper. So, like it it, it would make sense that that. He wouldn't be as averse to offloading in in the in the All Black style that he would be to the to the Irish style. So you, you've heard us say that our worst fears here are that he's going to end up beating us in a, in a big game at the World Cup. That's that's very possible. It's on the cards that we'll we'll meet them potentially. What do South Africa do? They care about the fact that Joe Schmidt is going to be part of this coaching ticket. Do they think that this is a significant beef up? What was your instinct as a South African rugby supporter this morning? Um, I was a little bit. Surprised by the decision, to be honest, not not, just, not so much the Schmidt decision, but more the fact that New Zealand have backed Ian Foster as the head coach until 2023. It's the it's the it's the surety that Foster is there until the end of the World Cup. 
Now, whether or not Schmidt becomes a bit more of a, a, a like takes over more of the pressure, more of the role in the general sense behind the scenes is a different story. I personally would be a little bit worried if Schmidt is the one taking control of the situation more than than, than Foster, because as you, as you rightfully pointed out, um, the way that Schmidt coaches, it's the starter plays, it's those first phase ball, first second phase getting the structures together which is one thing New Zealand have been lacking in the past couple of couple of seasons is that structured play they, they've been fantastic on broken and loose play and they're good at creating that chaos to make it look like they're in complete control which they have been up until this year now Schmidt brings in that extra bit of actual control on the starters play that would worry me as a South African fan because so that the way South Africa get at a, a an attack is their rush defense, and if if there's one thing Schmidt will have learned from his from his predictable Irish um, uh, sort of like, I mean he I say predictable Irish like the, the, um, he he was the best coach in the world when he was coaching Ireland, and he made Ireland the best team in the world a year out from the World Cup. Then he didn't he, he didn't evolve. I think now with the Blues, he's shown that he's had an ability and, and an affinity to evolve and adapt. And actually, he's made that Blues team a lot better than they should be on paper. And I think that he can do the exact same thing with the All Blacks. And the All Blacks on paper should be brilliant anyways. Yeah, I do think as well that there's probably a sequence of events where uh, the team spent so much time in its COVID bubble, then came over to this part of the world that they were at the end of uh, their tether. We beat them, softened them up, France beat them, and then they went away and they didn't play any good quality rugby in the meantime, except against themselves because the South African teams are no longer there. And then they blitzed us in that first game. Like, you know, okay, we we might have been a little bit uh, undercooked because we're just off the plane, etc., and then uh, Ireland played really well, like our two best ever performances in our rugby history and beat them. Like, there's a load of different reasons why South Af- why New Zealand weren't at the pitch of the game until the second test against South Africa. And the truth is probably somewhere between the first and second test against South Africa. They are beatable. They can also kill you if things go right for them. No, exactly. I think, but that's sort of a microcosm of the way of where the top four teams are, or four or five teams are in the world right now. Is everyone can beat everyone on their day, and it actually makes it a lot more competitive now than it has been for the past couple of couple of seasons. But what what's particularly interesting is the way the um, sort of momentum between the Springboks and, and the All Blacks sort of shifted in the past week. Um, in the first in the, in the first game, South Africa had all the possession, all the territory. Um, I got a lot of stick for for saying that, for, for basically taking a brilliant performance from the Springboks and turning it into a major negative. But I was saying that they just weren't clinical enough. They, they they had all the possession, all the territory. They were dominating. They just didn't dominate on the scoreboard like they should have. Now the opposite of that happened on on Saturday, where the All Blacks kind of turned everything that, that they they learnt from all of the things that they were getting wrong in the first in, in the first test against South Africa, and they fixed it like overnight almost and it that, that and that actually will force Jacques Nienaber into a change of mindset as well and probably change like but basically create a a doubt in his mind that there, there is only one game plan in the Springboks and I mean there, he's shown over the past year that there isn't just one game plan there's a plan A and a plan B and they can switch between the two I think Ninaba needs to make a plan C which is actually an amalgamation of the two two game plans at the same time Okay let, let's talk a little bit then about um, South Africa the team selection they didn't pick the same team for the second test as they picked the first test so what was that about because again it feels again uh, making the point I think to the, in the office none of this really matters 
in the long run, no one's going to remember who wins this year's rugby championship when we're this close to a World Cup, unless there's like a massive 60 nil mauling of one team or the other, and then it's kind of history. So you split a two test series at home against New Zealand, but you've massively expanded the quality of depth that is available to the squad at the moment. I'd say South Africa are relatively happy with that outcome. On the surface, probably, but the problem was that three out of the five changes that they made for the second test were injury-forced, and they were major- majority in the back line, creating a major reshuffle. So you've got Jesse, you had Jesse Creel starting on the wing, and Jesse Creel is, is an outside center, and um, I mean, Creel's been fantastic on the wing whenever he's featured there, but he's not he's not a wing by definition. And he, he, anyone can argue that he's the fourth choice South African right wing at best um, at the moment. So starting him against the All Blacks was, was, a, was a challenge. Then obviously you had Faf de Klerk who was uh, KO'd in the first minutes on the first test, so he couldn't start. So you had Hendricks coming in and then bringing in... Um, a, a brand new, a, a brand new uh, scrum half in Yankees who hasn't played uh, spring, uh, for the Springboks in a while. Um, that sort of uh, it, it was injury enforced, and it wasn't necessarily what potentially what Nina wanted to do coming into the series. The Joseph Dweber thing is interesting as well because Bongi and Benambi was named to start the test um, on the Tuesday, and then three hours later, after obviously warming up or training for in the practice after the team announcement, he pulled out with a knee niggle, and he is currently not in the squad to, tra- to travel to Australia. Okay. So that's that. So that so that's, um, th- that situation at Hooker is actually a little bit more dire than Nina probably wants, and unfortunately Dweber. In Dweber's two Springbok test matches that he's played, he played against Wales in that second test, which South Africa lost by one point, and then he he played against, and and then he started this weekend. He's he's kind of shown that there is a bit of a doubt in a lot of South African fans' minds if he is the the person that that comes in after after Benumbian marks, because. I mean, obviously everyone's got to grow into test match rugby, and you can't exactly expect him to fire for straight away. Yeah, but. He's he's a big he's a very physical guy and he didn't he wasn't able to get that physical dominance that you would have expected him to get against the All Blacks and his lineout throws were some of the worst um, we've had in a in a long time since. Okay, but just to point out to everybody, that's the third choice hooker is your main concern at the moment as a South African rugby fan. That's not a bad scenario to be in. You've got a World Cup, you've got a Lions successful Test series, you've got like an evil genius as your head coach. I know you just lost the game, but come on, you've got to be happy. No, no, fair. Like it's it it, it is. It, I, I still maintain that we have the two best hookers in the world rugby at the moment in, in Manumbi and Marks. And a, a lot of people say that Marks is the best, and he's always starting off the bench, which is interesting. Um, but it, it, it that, that that's only a positive if we use them correctly. And but if we you don't win in the World Cup, is not the point. Like well, this is all this is all shadow boxing now. So you you don't put everything on tape that you're going to put on tape in the group series or in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of the World Cup. But it's but but South Africa could easily lose marks in the first game, with, to a concussion. Okay, fair enough. But you know, we we like that's that's the ball game, and that's why you're spending this time now investing in uh, it's is it Dweeba, Dweeba, uh, yeah, Dweeba. Uh, and so he by the time comes round, instead of us going to our third or fourth choice out half, who will have never played, you'll have a guy who's been like beaten by Wales beaten by the All Blacks and who was intense at that stage a year later going actually you know I know what this is going to be like I've, I've, I've got my bad throws out of the way I think they're managing this perfectly 
No, fair. I, I mean, it's, it's more. I, I don't think it's as planned as, as you're making it out to seem. Is it uh, not exactly I, though? Because it, it does feel like they made significant changes. They didn't pick the man of the match from the previous test in the second test against New Zealand. Because if they'd lost the first one, I suspect they would have been a very different team. Every best available player would have started the second week. Whereas actually, what happened was the team that started against Wales. They started to bring some of those players through. I just feel like they're absolutely clinically looking at this and going. We're going to need a squad of 45 players who will narrow down to whatever it is that actually goes to the World Cup in France. There'll be some players left behind who we need to be able to break glass in case of emergency and away we go. I mean, fair. I do think there was a, there was a specific, a specific game plan and game style in mind as to why they put um, you know put marks on the bench because obviously you're, you're, if your starting hooker goes down in training, you'd imagine that the bench the, the named bench player would move into the starting lineup and then whoever's in the wider squad would come onto the bench. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. The um, replacement, what, the, the bench player, was remain, remain on the bench player. So you can there, there was obviously an idea that Nienaba was trying to ensure that the game plan of bringing marks on as an impact player was would work but it, it I, I i mean fair it's it's, it's more testing out theories and testing out combinations at this point and it, as you, you rightfully point out no one's really going to worry about this in, in in 18 months time it's just it, w- i mean the fact that bongi was named as as the starting uh, hooker in the first place doesn't really it, it, it's more like a testing depth out of necessity as opposed to testing depth because that's what he wanted to do against the all blacks he would much rather have had this option to do it against argentina sure. if if, if um, south africa were going to argentina with the hopes of winning the rugby championship power rankings update are new zealand back in the top four where are they? After one, after one excellent performance where they nullified one aspect of the Springbok game, particularly, and that was a breakdown, I don't see that they have fixed all... They've papered over cracks, and I will only be able to legitimately say that they are in the top four after they beat Argentina twice and maybe, and Australia at least once. I, I, I hate to disagree, but the official World Rugby... Uh, world rankings, which are obviously always correct, have them up at number four. They're on 87.76 points. Uh, South Africa on 87.78 points. Oof. So in a couple of rounds, we could have a world where New Zealand are ahead of South Africa in the world rankings and therefore a better team than them, unquestionably. Yes, but it, at, the, at the end of uh, the, 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 world, the, the rugby championship, South Africa could be world number one. So if, if, if ifs and buts and all that sort of thing, then we'd all have a lovely Christmas. <laughs> Good stuff, SKG. Thanks a million. Just got OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.